You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. I don't know if this is a resolution that you're here or not, but we're glad that you are, uh, whatever the reason is. Uh, one other thing I wanted to share with you, the total for what we raised for uh, the Advent for the Haiti School Lunch Project was $5,622. So again, thank you all. What a, a great effort you all put into that in one month's time. You're going to make the difference in 150 children's lives for that school year, and I am so grateful. I know they are grateful, and what a great opportunity to, again, allow Christmas to be more than just something that we celebrate, but to recognize that Christmas still changes the world because Jesus is still at work, and he's working through his people. And so I want to thank you for that. And as we start this new year, you know, I'm kind of in this, okay, what am I going to talk about? Do I start a new series? And I wasn't quite over the whole Christmas holiday season thing to, to think through a whole new series, but I had a couple of thoughts, which is good, um, things that I wanted to share. And so today I'm going to be sharing one, and next week I'm going to be talking a little bit more on fear and how fear has taken hold of so many areas of our lives, whether it's the political landscape or the idea of terror and how we can deal with that. But, but today I just wanted to talk about some things that we commit to, some things that we are committed to. You know, it's amazing how every year seems to go so quickly, right? And you always hear it, the older you get, the faster time goes. I have a theory as to why that's happening. I believe it is. No, this is legit. Some of you are laughing. You're thinking, yeah, he's not serious. He's never said, I am serious. I do have theories. I, I believe that as you get older, you forget more. And so there's these gaps in your mind throughout the year. And so the year is shorter because you don't remember as much. I think it's true. And so I think there's actually a way to combat that. It's to be more engaged, more focused. And if we can actually occupy ourselves in our life more, we might actually be able to feel like time isn't slipping by us so much. You know, because I, I hate the feeling of being left out. I hate that feeling of when something happens and you forgot Right? You, there was a sale, and it was only for one day. You could get the Starbucks two-for-one, and, and it ended at 4 o'clock, and then you remember at 4.30, right? It's like, oh, no. You know, this, this monumental thing in my life could have happened, but I forgot it. And that's why if it's not in my phone, it doesn't exist, right? I, I have to put everything in my phone so I remember, because otherwise I don't remember. Corrine will often say, well, remember? And I'm like, no, I don't, because I didn't put it in my phone. And then she gets mad at me. What are you doing? I'm, I'm putting it in my phone. I'm just talking to you about, you know, what we want to do tonight. I know, but I don't remember what we're going to do tonight, so I've got to put it in my phone. I hate missing out on things. When an event happens and you feel like, oh, I should have been there, or I had the opportunity to do something, 
and I failed to do that. And, and I hate living with regret. I, I hate this idea of life is happening and what if there's something I'm supposed to do and I don't do that. And so I want to talk about something that I think is important for us to do, us who believe in Jesus, us who are following Christ, something that we can't neglect and we can't put off. And so turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Hopefully every one of you has the Bible on your phone. It's a great way to keep the Bible with you. You can have your daily scripture Verses come out there, even daily readings can remind you those things. Everything is on there. I use the U version. I love it. It's the Y-O-U version if you're interested. Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 2. Paul writes and he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I, I love this passage of scripture. It's so filled with so many just provoking things. And the first thing that stood out to me was this idea of prayer and to be watchful. I mean, you think about it, prayer and be watchful. I have always told my children when they pray, close your eyes, right? And there's always, okay, we're going to pray around the table and we're going to eat. So everyone close your eyes and let's pray. And inevitably, when they were young, someone would say, you know, Jordan didn't have his eyes closed. And they'd say, well, how do you know I didn't have my eyes closed? You had your eyes open too. But this whole idea is that you had to have your eyes closed when you were praying. But here Paul is telling us to be watchful. And so the idea of being watchful is actually kind of being with your eyes open. The word means to be attentive, to be vigilant. It means to be watching. And so this idea of prayer and watching, I, I, I think is an important one to grasp hold of. I know that we close our eyes so that we're not distracted. You know, we don't want to be distracted by other things, but it almost seems like Paul is talking about the opposite. Instead of closing our eyes so that we're not distracted, it almost seems like we're supposed to have our eyes open so that we can actually see the right distractions, so that we can actually see the things that we should. Because sometimes I feel as if the world we pray in is different than the world we actually live in. Oh, there's, you know, we pray and everything is spiritual and then we live. And maybe you know people like that, or maybe you are someone who has a hard time kind of living this life of faith everywhere, and not just here at church on Sunday or whenever we meet, but actually at home and at the workplace or at school. And there's this kind of compartmentalizing of my spiritual faith life, and then there's the rest of my life, but never the twain shall meet. They kind of stay nicely divided and I can act this way and I can act this way 
and I don't have to worry about those crossing over. But it almost seems like Paul is saying that we're to be watchful. In other words, we're supposed to be engaged in the world we actually live in. And this prayer life is also supposed to be engaged in this world. Devoted, watchful, and thankful, they go together because when we pray the way God wants us to pray, we actually begin to see the things that God wants us to see and then are thankful that he actually is revealing himself to us. See, we're praying because we are watching to see what God is doing so that we can then be a part of what he is doing. So many times we're praying, God, be involved with what I'm doing, but the idea here of prayer and watchfulness, I'm devoted to this because I am going to be seeing what God is doing so that I can actually be involved with what he is doing. That's the idea of waiting on the Lord. Remember, waiting on the Lord isn't just sitting down, okay, God, I'm waiting, do something. It's watching, it's being ready, it's waiting for something to happen. It's that server at the table who sees your water is low and so I've got to fill up the glass and I got to bring you some more bread and I got to bring you some more chips and more chips because man, this family goes through chips, you know? They, they, it's one of those things where they're watching and if they're going to be a good server, they're paying attention. And the idea here of prayer and waiting on the Lord is watching to see what God is doing so that we can be a part of it. And what I want for my life, not just for 2016, but on a regular basis, is to be connected to the living God and to actually be living a life that is in relationship to Him, active in the things that He is active in and the things that He is doing. AJ agrees with that right now. There's a passage in Exodus where Moses has just delivered the people of Israel from Egypt and they're standing before the Red Sea and the people are starting to complain because the Egyptian army is coming down on them. And they're like, did you bring us out here to die? We could have stayed in Egypt. We had it good there compared to out here. What's going on? And then Moses says, stand and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. And then in verse 15, it's interesting because the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people to go forward. Why are you just standing there? I have shown you what to do. Now you need to do it. And and I wonder if sometimes prayer becomes a place where we actually retreat from doing, where God has already revealed to our hearts what we are supposed to do, but then we say, oh, I need to pray about it. No, you need to go and do it. He's shown you. I love it a few weeks ago when Denise got up here and shared about when she started her nonprofit for a reason and stepped and went into Haiti, how the Lord had been ministering to her, you know, this is really something you need to do. And she was kind of him and hawing, well, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do this. And finally, you know, through some things that I shared, the Lord said, no, you need to do this. 
We even saw that video where Bono said, you know, a friend of mine told me instead of praying God would bless what I do, find out what God is doing and be a part of it because it's already blessed. What if we thought of prayer as something where we watch to see what God is doing and we're looking around us to see where God is at work so that we can actually step into that work and be a part of what God is doing. Then we can be grateful because we are now participating in what God is doing. There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. And sometimes we're praying about things that we should have already prayed about. And it just becomes the opportunity to delay what we already should be doing. I remember I used to get bothered. There were some people in my life and I would bring something to them and I say, I I think it would be good to do this. And they would say, well, let me pray about it. And it made me angry. Not because they were going to pray, because they never got back to me. Right? It was, let me pray about it. And then a week later, hey, I'm just wondering, did you pray about that? Yeah, I'm still praying about it. What are you waiting for? What do you want to know? What, what needs to happen for you to get a yes or no? What, what, what is it? And prayer for it, or maybe you parents do this with your kids. Well, let me pray about it. That basically means no, right? What a thing we're teaching. Let me pray about it. Okay, that means no. See, I think a lot of times it's just neglecting that opportunity. It's escaping responsibility. We know that God is working. We believe that God is working. So why don't we pray and be watchful so that we can see what he's doing so that we can be part of it and actually have an effect on the world around us and the future ahead of us. Why don't we be watchful to see what God is already up to and then engage in that? And let's be diligent in this. Let's not make it a casual thing. You see, what I want for my life always, and not just for this new year, is to be a life that is genuine in a life that is devoted to the God I believe in. Because I don't want to be a person who has a faith that does not have substance behind it. I don't want to be a person who who acts one way and talks another way. I don't want to be a person who says this is what I believe, but then lives what I really believe. And I want to be a person who's diligent and watching to see what God is doing so that I can be doing those things, acting in the way that God is doing. You know, maybe the reason our prayers aren't answered is because we're out of step with what God is actually doing. You know, we're praying, God, do this, but God is over here doing this. I mean, you think about it. If God says no in prayer, it means that you're asking the wrong thing. It means that you're in the wrong place. God, I want this to happen. God says no. That means God is somewhere else, and you're saying, I want this. God, I I want that job, and the job doesn't come. Well, guess what? Maybe God was over here. And you are wanting to be over here. 
Maybe you weren't watching to see what God was doing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't apply for the job. But what is God actually doing and where is God? And again, maybe the reason is that we're out of step. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Paul has this incident. This isn't the one. Sorry. I misspoke. Chapter 12, verse 8. You're in the same book. You were right in the neighborhood, okay? Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. Paul says that three times he asked God to take away what he calls this thorn in the flesh, this affliction, whatever this was. And God responded with, my grace is enough for you. And basically what God is saying, I am going to use this in your life. So this isn't the direction I'm going. You want it delivered, I'm telling you, I'm, I've dealt with it, now move on. You see, God was at work and Paul was able to hear and sense, okay, I've asked for God to do this, but God is telling me I'm doing this. You see, this is a great example of being watchful in prayer. God, this is what I desire. And God says, I'm doing this. Okay, God, this is now my desire. I know I really wanted this, but if this is what you're doing, then this becomes what I really want. Because what I really want is to be where you are. I don't want the healing. I don't want the prosperity. I don't want whatever is over here. If you're going to be over here, better to be on the doorstep with a, a, a grain of bread among friends than in a house with rich people and God is not there. Better is a little with real family than a lot with no love and no God. And what I really want and what I hope we really want is to be connected to what God is doing so that we don't just keep asking for what we want, but we see what God wants for us and we're able to move in that direction. I wonder how many times we think God is saying no when really we're just having the wrong conversation. I want this, God. I want this, God. I want this, God. And we think God's saying no. And God says, I'm over here. I'm over here. Having to get your attention because you're daydreaming somewhere, living a life detached from what God is really doing. We're not watching We're just talking. We're just asking. You see, God uses Paul's chains, he says in verse 3 of Colossians 4, to actually take him where he needed to go so that he could talk to the people that God wanted him to talk to. And he says, I pray for us too that God may open doors for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. See, it's this message that I'm in chains, but he prays that God would open the door. 
And I wonder if that's what we need to do. No just means I'm having the wrong conversation. We, we think prayer is us asking God and God saying yes, no, or later. But what if prayer is really God talking to us and we're the ones saying yes, no, or later? What if God's saying, I'm doing this, and we're praying and we're just saying, no, I want this. God's saying, I, I want to do this, and we're saying, no, I don't, I'm not ready for that. And really, God is the one who's speaking, and we're the ones who are answering. And that's kind of the, the context here. Paul is saying, watch. Why? Because I need to know what God is saying so that I can be part of what he is doing. What would happen if our prayer changed from one of me requesting to one of me actually listening? I mean, how do you pray without ceasing if your eyes are closed? You can't drive. I'm going to pray, Lord. <laughs> you know, prayer without ceasing. This, this is an idea that I'm always watching, that I'm always being attentive, that I'm always listening, that my eyes are open to see what God is doing and to see the doors that are open and what he is wanting to do. And as he says, pray for us that God may open that door for our message so that we can proclaim the mystery which I'm in chains. Doesn't it seem like he's praying the wrong prayer? Doesn't he seem like he should be praying about the chains? Isn't that what I would pray about? God, I'm in chains. That's a problem with me. I don't like chains. But we don't see him praying, God, remove the chains. We, we actually see him praying that God would open the door. We don't see him saying, Lord, give me my freedom. But Paul had this idea that he was actually already free, that the chains weren't holding him, that his life was free. Or maybe he was just watching and seeing where God was moving. You see, without those chains, Paul would not be able to have the opportunity to go to Rome, the center of the world, to talk to the Caesar, the most influential man in the world who thought he was God and proclaimed to him the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. You see, it was those chains that were actually the open doors. It was that affliction in his flesh that actually proved God's grace. It was those things that we might think of are holding me down that were actually pushing him forward. But you wouldn't know that if you weren't looking, if you weren't watching, if you weren't devoted, and if you weren't thankful that God was speaking and cared and knew what was best for you. See, we spend our lives asking that God would remove the chains rather than open the doors. We're so concerned about our quality of life that we don't concern ourselves with the quality of our relationship with the living God. And our priorities can actually blind us to what God is saying and what God is doing. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We see Jesus doing this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, starting at verse 38. 
they go off to this place. Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. In verse 38, he says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. It's the same word watch here that is used in Colossians 4.2. He says, keep watch with me. In verse 39, he says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, God, this is what I'm feeling, but I want to see what you are doing. You see, we actually see Jesus is watching in prayer. This is my struggle, but I'm wanting to see what you're doing. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Same word. Couldn't you keep watch? Couldn't you be looking with me to see what God is doing in this moment? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We see three times Jesus is telling them, watch, watch, watch. See what God is doing. And we know the outcome that Jesus knew that this was the will of God. And so he gave himself to the will of God. Not my will, but yours be done. The watching and devotion and prayer took Jesus to the place that God was working, even though it was the cross. And we see Paul in chains praying, not that the chains be removed, but that the Lord open the doors. We're watching to see what God wants to do so we can go where God is. I don't want to live a life that is detached from the presence and the power of God. And the power of God might actually be in the chains. The power of God might actually be in the difficulty that you're going through. The power of God might be something that you're experiencing in the hardship where you're at. Vision is to see what's ahead. Prayer is not to retreat from this world but it's to be engaged with the living God so that we can be an active part in changing the world around us. See, what you go through many times are the chains in your life that open the doors of opportunity. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with other people that have been directly connected to the things that I have gone through, the struggles I've dealt with, whether it be financial struggles, the the struggles my children have gone through, a couple of the things that they have, dealing with even mental illness and mental struggles, to know, what do you do when someone comes up and they said, man, my kid, I don't know why they're acting this way, and to know that, well, I've gone through this and I've experienced, are they acting this way? Are they getting enough sleep? Are they doing these things? To be able to have those things in my life have allowed me to have conversations with people that are now meaningful because... I can connect to them. And those things that if I would have prayed, God, take this away, take this away, would have actually stopped the doors from opening in other areas of my life. And even though I want what's comfortable more than anything, I want what God wants for me. 
I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to be available to do the things that God wants me to do. We are not here to just be a happy church. We are here to affect the world around us because the God who loves us so much has stepped into our world, even as we've been talking about, has broken through. And the good news is that God is with us and he's dealt with our shame and he's dealt with our sin and he brings healing and he brings forgiveness. And he takes those chains and makes them doors of opportunity in your and my life. But we need to be watching. And we need to be going where he is going so that this life can be meaningful. How do I know if God is going to heal me or not? To deliver me or not? Sometimes the chains aren't removed. They're just what moves you to where God wants you so that he can do what would never happen through you if you didn't allow him to be with you in that moment. This only happens when we're watching and we're praying with our eyes open. So many times we want God to open doors that will make our lives easier, but God wants to open doors that will make our lives more meaningful. And we need to distinguish between the two When Paul prays to have the doors open, those are the doors that actually led to his chains. But often those are the doors that bring us closer to God. And Paul's mind was set to go before the emperor of Rome to declare this. And so it's an amazing thing because Paul felt that he was more free in his chains than the emperor of Rome was with all his wealth and power. I wonder if we feel that way if we recognize the possession we have in Christ, if we see ourselves as free, I wonder if that would change our focus and our vision, or if we think there's still things we need to add more to our lives to make us more happy. I need that house. I need those things. Those are the things that we start living for instead of the God who gives us all things. I wonder if sometimes we're just not watching. In verse 5, he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He expects that we're going to have interaction with humanity. I I love this because even Christ says, you're the salt of the earth. In other words, we are supposed to be a part of the world we live in. So many times there is this detachment that takes place. With, with those who are in Christ, this, this Christian, you know, we're going to remove ourselves from all the events that are around us. But Paul says you're supposed to have interaction with the people around you, but he tells you to be wise in how you act towards the outsider. He expects that you're going to have the interaction. We need to remember that we are called to live before God and before people, that we are called to be a part of this thing. And we need to be mindful of the people around us and the effect we can have on them. You see, if you name yourself a Christian, then what you're doing is you're saying that I belong to God and so the way I act is in subject to the things that God wants. That's what a Christian is. I I don't know what you might thought, well, it's just going to church or well, I believe in Jesus, but it's actually Christ living in you 
being seen in you, which means I don't have the right to react the same way that maybe someone who doesn't have Christ does, like on the road, on traffic, when they cut me off. Okay, I still need to represent Christ. The other day, Karina and I were out, and we went to, uh, where was the first place? We were at Costco. Costco, and we saw uh, Randy. Remember Randy? Lived with you guys for a while? (laughs) We saw Randy. That Randy. We saw Randy who lived with you guys for a while, and it was like, hey, and he saw us, and I didn't recognize him. You know, he was there at Costco, and he recognized he came, give me a hug, and I'm getting water, you know, into my cart. And it was like a crazy day at Costco the other day. It's been like crazy at Costco. The holiday, you know, there's like nowhere to park. You know, and I'm just kind of gearing up for, you know, war. I'm just going into Costco. Okay, here we go. But you see, there's this young man, Randy. Hey, Randy. Oh, hey. Gives me a hug. What if I was having a bad moment? What if I was, you know... Telling my wife, you get the water. I don't need to get, I don't know what. (laughs) You see, I I have to be a person who's a representative. Then we went to Ross right after that. We went to Ross and I was there at Ross and Savannah and I were looking at dog beds because the little dog needed bed. Uh, (laughs) And so we're there and then another lady, Judy, came up there, and I didn't recognize her, and she's sitting there talking, we're talking about the dog beds, and then she goes, oh, Sam, and I'm like, oh, Judy, and there at Ross. Now, these are two places I don't really care to go to, Costco or Ross. They're not my favorite place. I'm not in my best environment there, okay? I'm not in the place where I would normally want to go to, and then it happened again at Vaughn's. It was a shopping day, okay, at the Starbucks there at Vaughn's. So funny. Okay, that was a place I'd want to go to, but you see, I, I'm seeing people who I know and who know me, and I always have to represent Jesus, not because, quote, I'm the pastor, no, because I am a follower of Jesus. And everywhere is an opportunity, and everyone is a door, and every time I'm watching, it's going to take place in the lives of the people around me, and I have to be prepared to step into those doors. And we need to be mindful of the people around us, the effect we have on them. I wonder how many opportunities we miss because we don't use all the good that God is doing in us to spark the conversation around us. I wonder how many times there is something waiting to be said if we would be watching. My wife is great at this. She picks up on people. Oh, that lady was sad. And I'm like, what lady? And she goes, oh, I want to ask if she's okay. What is that? She's watching. And you see, she has hope to give, and so she wants to enter into the conversation and give it. Do you have hope to give? Are you looking for opportunities to give it, or are you just trying to get out of Costco alive? I wonder if there are opportunities that we are not seeing And we're not engaging in because we're not watching the world around us. My resolution is to see those opportunities because I don't want to miss an open door that God has. So I have to pray with my eyes open. I have to be watchful. I have to be devoted. 
He goes on in verse 6, Colossians 4, he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, you may know how to answer everyone. You know, we, we think that this is about what we say. But really, this is about what you hear. Listen to it again. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The only way you can answer everyone is if you're listening to everyone. So many times, sharing our faith becomes this anxiety-filled moment where, am I going to say the right thing? I, I remember going out street witnessing for the first time in my life. I was just a young follower of Jesus, and I had this shirt on because I figure if I can't say anything, I'll wear a shirt that does, you know. And I had this shirt that had an arrow pointing up and an arrow pointing down, and it said, the choice is yours. I go, yeah, that's a good conversation starter, you know. And so I'm like in this park looking for prey, you know, to go and find someone to talk to. And there was this man there at the park with his kids. And I went up to him and I had my big Thompson chain reference Bible because, yeah, I'm a believer and I'm going to show you my belief right here. And so I walked up to that guy and I said, excuse me, sir, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? And, you know, do you know what's going to happen to you when you're going to die or something like that? I don't know. I had it in my mind what I was supposed to say. And so I went to him and I'll never forget the look on this guy's face. This guy just looked at me and with such sympathy, he goes, please, I'm just trying to spend the day with my kids. And all of a sudden I was aware that this, and I don't know if this is true, but I had this sense, and I'm thinking that it was, that here is a guy who gets his kids for the weekend. Because maybe he's separated or divorced from his wife. And he only has this time to spend with his kids and here comes this guy he's going to take into that time. And instead of watching to see what was happening, I had something to say. But what I was saying wasn't filled with grace, seasoned with salt, and giving an answer to what his life needed. It was what I felt I needed to say. And I think so many times what has happened is we want to have out what we need to say, but we're not listening. We're not hearing the hurt in people's lives. We're not hearing the needs that are there. We're answering the wrong questions because we're not listening. I'm amazed at how many people are interested in God when you take the time to actually listen. And then it gives you the opportunity to ask the right questions. But if we don't listen, if we just give our spiel, I'm going to give you this because this is what I've learned how to give. You know, here's whatever it is, four spiritual laws, Romans, Ten Commandments. I've gone through a bunch of them. I've got a history of things that I've learned how to say. But the thing happened when I actually started engaging with people, with people is when I started learning how to listen. And so Paul tells us that we're to let our conversation be full of grace, always, period. Always full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, something that is tasty, something that has flavor to it. 
so that we may know how to answer everyone. The only way you can answer is to listen. How we converse is as important to what we converse. The Greek philosopher Epictetus, something like that, says we have two ears and one mouth so that we may listen twice as much as we speak. Our challenge, my challenge for the new year for us, is to be devoted to watching what God is doing. To be in an ongoing conversation. Thankful that he is speaking to us. Willing to go where he leads us. To not be moved by the chains, but to allow the chains to move us to the open doors that are before us. And that we would always be ready with grace, seasoned words to answer everyone. Maybe the answer is going to begin with you listening to what their question really is. Not just even the questions they're throwing out. Maybe they're throwing out that question because they're hurting somewhere else. Maybe the reason they're with their kids is because there's something else going on and maybe there's a different dialogue that needs to take place that will actually be effective. Because what I want is to connect people to the living God who loves and cares for them more than they know. That's my desire for this new year. Let's pray. Father, help us to be people who are watchful. Help us to be people who are devoted to being watchful and thankful. God, may prayer become more than a time that we sit and close our eyes and talk. May, may prayer be an ongoing conversation with you. And may we hear you speak and may we move where you direct us. God, I pray for a boldness in our lives to not be afraid of the chains, but to be afraid to miss the open doors, to be afraid to miss the opportunities that are there before us that you are leading us in. May we have the right conversations. And God, I pray for those here who are fearful, who are afraid of saying the wrong things, who feel that they don't know enough of the Bible to be able to, to present you to someone else. I pray that you would use that chain and that limitation to actually engage into a deeper conversation. May you move them not away from their discomfort, but actually into the discomfort may through that you open doors in their lives and our lives to bring the good news who Jesus is to the world around us. Lord, we are grateful that you've revealed yourself to us. Help us reveal you to others. May we be watchful. May we be devoted. May we be thankful. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. 
You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.